A few years ago, a walk on the southwest coastal path opened Catherine May up to a whole new world. She began to think about reconnecting with nature and how it was the antidote to everything from anxiety to writer's block. She even shaped her best-selling book, Wintering, around the elements. You know, I'm talking about breaking down this ability to connect right down to its component parts and figuring it out again. And so I worked my way through the elements from earth, water, fire and air. And they all made a different kind of sense when I was thinking about the way we find meaning in the world. Join Catherine now on the seafront in Whitstable as she talks about inspiration, how much she'd like to buy a beach hut and why we should all love winter. I promised to take you to Whitstable Beach, but I'm taking you by my favourite route, which is away from Whitstable Beach first. That means going over the train line and then back over it again. <laughs> and eventually onto West Beach, which is our kind of furthest westerly beach, which is all, often quite quiet. And it has the beach huts of my dreams on it. And uh, it's my favourite little part of Whitstable Beach, so you're going to get the whole tour. What I really like about this route is that you get to see these little flashes of sea as you go along without quite meeting it yet. It's a good thing. So Wintering is a book about surviving the fallow periods in life. So it uses the metaphor of winter to explore this very natural part of the human life cycle that comes to all of us over and over again, where for a little while we feel kind of shut out of the rest of the world. You know, it's probably in the aftermath of an illness or a poor period of mental health or a big life event. But I increasingly think actually it's often just the way we endure change like really necessary change but we often resist it but that kind of takes us out of the world for a while and it's really useful to think about how natural it is within the cycle of the year for us to to withdraw to have a more restful regenerative time and you know maybe to reflect so that you can go back into the world slightly more ready again it's always weird to talk about it at midsummer because it's like the opposite at this time of year. And I always feel like it's a very maligned season and I think it's a shame that we talk so enthusiastically about summer and how glorious it is and almost hold our breath through winter like it's this season that you have to just get through um, and ignore as much as possible. And I think I always wanted to write something about how beautiful I find winter. I mean, it's, it's something that I came to realise when I moved here to Whitstable, that in winter the beach is incredible and people avoid it. But it's got a, a different beauty, it's not like the summer. But it's quiet and the wind's blowing and the best thing you ever see here is when it snows on the beach. 
and the whole scene turns white and it's just so amazing and uh, yeah I think I really wanted to, to kind of write a defense of winter a little bit and and to say what a shame it is to skip out a whole quarter of our lives and not notice what's going on out there in those times. So we're going over a railway bridge. The train has gone past a little while ago, but you get a really good view from up here, out across to Seasalter that way, and over the beach huts towards Whitstable. And it's a really beautiful day, actually, isn't it? The tide is very far out. And when the tide goes out at Whitstable, it means that you get nowhere near that sea. And even if you walked out there now, it would be ankle deep. You can't swim. <laughs> but uh, it's lovely. You get this lovely colour scape, I think, when the tide's out. Lovely pale yellows and blues. We'll try and get down onto the beach into a set. There's some steps down at certain places. There we go, there's some steps. And I can show you the... Because actually at this time of year, you get incredible wildflowers on West Beach. Um, and some of it's quite rare. It's just really, really nice to see. So this little stretch here um, is where I dream of owning a beach hut. They're perfect because they're right on the shingle and it's quiet. Hello, dog. Right, you go down first. <laughs> Look at that. Look, that's so beautiful. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so, um, you can see there the yellow flowers are horn poppies. They're quite a rare native species. And they grow all over the beach here, they're lovely. But we also get loads of red and white valerian. And further on the beach, it's in big clouds. It's just so gorgeous. And it's just, you know, it's a wonderful place to be. This town is so busy today, and look how quiet it is here. You have to walk a little way to get here, but it's so worth it. And this is my favorite place to swim, but very difficult to quite manage it because the tide has to be really in to swim here so you've got like a 30 minute window but if you catch it right it's great so enchantment is i guess the follow-up to wintering it's a book about how to reconnect with the world around you and i think it makes a case for allowing ourselves to find the world magical again, even though this age seems so hard and so bleak. And I, d I really feel that the only way we'll save ourselves is to let ourselves feel that wonder and connection again. But I wrote it from deep within burnout in the middle of the pandemic. And I had to really fight my way back to feeling an intuition again you know like feeling that calling towards being fascinated by the world and I think the book really just takes you through my process of learning that and thinking about how 
we might gather back together again when all of this is over and it's not over yet unfortunately. When I first moved here, I think around about this point, a storm came one day and when the tide was out, you could see a shipwreck. It, the, the storm had kind of washed away the silt and it revealed the deck and the flattened sides. And uh, there were loads of broken blue and white china plates around it um, that, that it had been carrying apparently. And then one day another storm came and covered it up again. I can't find it now. But it was brilliant. For a while you could walk on the deck and it was parallel to that house there. That's how I remembered it because I went to see it a few times. It's not there now, but uh, it was such a good thing. It was such like a special, special, special discovery. There's a ship further along that's quite a famous archaeological find. But this one isn't so famous and it's, it didn't get preserved, I don't think. But it was wonderful. So I set out to walk the southwest coast path when I was just about to turn 40. And I didn't really have a strong rationale for why I, why I was doing it. It was just this yearning, I think, for time on my own. I think I wanted to move my body. But as I began walking, I realised that there was this kind of thought process that was waiting to take place almost. Um, and as I walked, I realised that I was autistic, which was a huge life change for me. But also I'd never, I'd never walked like that before. I'd never spent that much time outdoors. Um, and I always felt like I wasn't a very outdoorsy person. It's so funny because now everyone comes to interview me and says, so you're, you know, you're someone that spends a lot of time outdoors. And it's true, but it was never true for me earlier in my life. And I feel like it was almost a training ground for me to figure out how to get what I needed, which was peace. And also the rhythm of walking, I think is so helpful for me. It really soothes me. It has this, you know, somatic effect on your body that we're just climbing over the groins as we're talking. <laughs> This is walking in Whitstable, it's like running a hurdle race. <laughs> yeah, so walking has this, you know, beautiful effect on the body. It's somatically really comforting. And I needed it. I didn't know I needed it. I didn't know how to need it. But um, what I love about that book, what I'm proud of about that book, is that I didn't finish the walk. And it's a book about being a woman with a child, a young child, and wanting to undertake a long walk, and how difficult that is, and how organising yourself around that is very, very different to those like very heroic walking narratives that we've got used to, which is, you know, a, a lone person strides out and undertakes this impossible-sounding walk, and they do it. And I chose not to finish it for very important reasons. And I'm really glad to have disrupted that narrative a little bit too. <laughs>
When I need to ground myself again, I come out for a walk. And that's the walk I'm taking you on today, really, because I do walk to manage stress and to help me think. Like, I don't think I really write very well at a table. I think I really do my writing when I'm walking and then I just dictate it afterwards. So, yeah, I come around here a lot. And this is a great loop for me because it's about an hour, which is a perfect unit of time. It's predictable, which helps sometimes when you've got other things on. But I can no longer take my dog. And my dog has uh, very strong ideas about the route that she'll walk on. And this is not the route she'll walk on. So she started refusing to do this one. So I have to do it on my own now, which is really annoying. Because when I got a dog, I thought the dog would walk with me like other dogs. But um, apparently not my one. Yeah, so I moved to Whitstable in 2006 and well, I wrote about this in Electricity but I moved as a kind of refugee because I'd been struck by this terrible anxiety in my old house that meant I couldn't go into my old house and I couldn't unravel while I was, while I was feeling like that and eventually we decided to give up and move to the sea which I'd always wanted to do and it was funny because yeah, I found it instantly soothing to live by the sea. We're about to pass, actually, the house we lived in when we first moved here. We rented a house right on the seafront, and I couldn't believe the magic of looking out of my window in the middle of the night and seeing the beach. It was amazing. But, <laughs> but we couldn't afford to stay in that house. So after a while, I wasn't sure if I'd done the right thing. Like, I'd always lived in the Medway Towns, which is a very working-class area of Kent, and that felt really safe and familiar to me in lots of ways. And I felt like Whitstable was a bit posher than I was used to. I found the social scene harder to fathom. I didn't understand the, I don't know, like the form, I guess. And also, I was used to living in a much more mixed area like I was struck suddenly by how white it was and I hadn't noticed when I was coming here for days out and holidays and it seemed quite flat to me that culture but I've you know I've put down roots but I don't think I don't think I felt truly at home here until my son was born and then you connect with people in a different way and your son starts or your children start to have connections that transcend your own a bit more maybe and I felt more knitted into the town then and now I can't imagine moving away but it did it wasn't instant for me it surprised me and I did think about moving back to Rochester quite a few times but uh, I'm glad I didn't I love that house, honestly. I feel like they should give me that house. <laughs> it's a lovely white weatherboarded house. It looks like it's got an amazing sunroom cut into the roof. I'd love to just go in it, just have a poke around, you know? Nobody could blame me for that, surely. But yeah, I feel like they should award me that house for something. I'm not sure what yet. I don't think I've done enough good deeds. 
Yeah, this time of year there are these, these pink flowers that you can see and white that are the same. And they're a valerian. And we use the root to get to sleep, I think. That grows all over the beach. And it's just the most amazing cloud of fluffy flower. <laughs> but yeah, there's some, some lovely purple clover. And the Alexanders are now a little tired. They're drying out. They're just seed heads. I was hoping to find you some vipers bugloss, but I think it's further over that end of the beach. But that's gorgeous because it has these really intense blue spikes of flower. Always nice to see. There's some red poppies, lots of different grasses. It's just, I think it's unusual to see a beach that's green, actually, which is what you get for a very short time this time of year. You can see it's browning off now, it's going. But spring really breaks out on this beach and there are plants growing all over it. And it always feels so fresh in the late spring when that's all grown up. And as we're coming to the end of our walk, you can see how busy the centre of town is. It's quite shocking after going out on our own for a little while. Like, here's all the people again. It's, uh, it's that time of year, unfortunately. But it does bring the town to life. I can't grumble too much. I used to come here and enjoy myself too, so... Other people are entitled. So I feel like that's my own personal route that, uh, that I always take. Like, I don't ever take anyone with me, really. I used to take my son along there when we were all in lockdown. And that was the only route we could take, really, that lasted about the right amount of time. But it's really nice to share it. I feel like it's different every time I go. There's always something new to notice. There's always a new plant that's come out or a new sight to see. And I just love those little glimpses you get of the beach as you go along. And the fact that you walk back across the actual beach, like it feels like a homecoming. Catherine's connection to nature has helped her is a lesson for anyone struggling with their mental health. Even a short walk and a bit of fresh air can give you a little boost. You could, however, go even further, like our guest next time, Freya Bromley. Her struggle with a huge personal loss led her to the mission of swimming in every tidal pool in Britain. You'll join her for a walk, and maybe a swim, at one of her favourite pools to talk grief, intimacy, and finding calm spaces in rough seas. If you haven't already, give us a follow on your podcast app, tell a friend about the podcast, and check out at Canopy and Stars on Instagram to see footage and photos from our Days Out recording.